to stand now. We have, we have addressed a lot of things to God. We have, we've sung to him, we've prayed to him. Now we hear his word uh, as he speaks to us and we respond to it in the teaching of the word. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm not sure who our scripture reader is this morning. Is it me? Let me get my Bible. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. So let's not have it on screen or it'll be different. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In verses 1 through 17, hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, many of you have Boney M's Christmas CD. How many of you have Boney M's Christmas CD? I knew it. And you listen to it pretty often at this time of year, and I do as well. But there's a song on it that I can't listen to. It's called, When a Child is Born. And the song expresses a longing for one who will come and bring peace and wholeness to a world that is broken. Great. And then they say this, and all of this happens because the world is waiting, waiting for one child, black, white, yellow, no one knows, a child that would grow up and turn tears to laughter, hate to love, war to peace, and turn everyone to everyone's neighbor. Misery and suffering would be forgotten forever. And every time I would hear that, I would think, stop waiting 
What you long for has begun. The child has been born. And we do know he was Jewish. And I wish that the ones who would sing of Mary's boy child would recognize this child is the one who is longed for in when a child is born. This week, somebody stopped by my office to talk with me for a while. And this person calls himself a creationist because he knows there must be a creator. He says he tries to walk with, his words, the creator whom he calls Elohim, which is a a biblical Hebrew word meaning God. But this man does not accept anything after the first two chapters of the Bible as God's word. Anything after, basically, the creation accounts. And therefore, he does not believe that Jesus is God's eternal son who came to die for our sins. He does not believe that we stand in right relationship to God, only in Jesus. does not believe that living under the lordship of Jesus is the one great calling of every person. And this man has, has respect for the church, respect for pastoral ministry. And knowing that we each believe in a personal God, he said, we're basically on the same page. And I said, I said, actually, no, we're, world, we're worlds apart. And he couldn't understand it. He is trying to live rightly with God, but without Jesus. And my conviction from the scriptures is that from God's perspective, to live rightly with God means to have Jesus at the very center. Not just that it's only possible to live rightly with God if you have Jesus at the center, but that to have Jesus at the center is to live rightly with God. It's the same thing. So Jesus is not this man's center. He is my center, and so we are worlds apart. See, we Christians, we say something very different from what this man believes and from what the world around us is willing to or even able to, I think, receive. We make the most audacious claims about Jesus and we sing them. And of all the carols that we sing, there isn't one, I think, more audacious than Hark the Herald Angels Sing. No other carol is so theologically rich. No other carol presents us so clearly with the Christ of Scripture, his person, his work, who he is, and why he came, and what that means to us. And I, th- I think that this carol, Hark the, Angel, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is almost by itself a primer on basic Christian doctrine. And as we sing this hymn and, and notice what we're singing about, we begin to understand again just what a staggering event took place in Bethlehem. Eternity and the cosmos revolve around this one who sleeps in the manger this night. And here he lies on the front of our Christmas cards, bathed in a soft glow. I want to think about this carol together with you. Um, If you want to pull a hymnal out, you'll find it at 180, 181, I believe. I'll give you a second to do that. I always think that a a preacher's primary calling is to preach Jesus from the scriptures. Um, So don't be alarmed that I'm preaching from a Christmas carol. 
This is Jesus from the scriptures, I'll tell you. Hark the Herald Angel Sings begins in verse 1 with just the call first to listen, or hark, to the angel's proclamation. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and God's gentle mercy. God and sinners reconciled. So listen to the angels, but also then to join with them in joyfully proclaiming Christ is born. But why the joy? Who is this Who is this one, who is this Christ whose birth merits the full-out celebration of the angelic hosts and all the nations? Well, let's look at verse 2. Christ who is adored in heaven. There are a number of places in the Bible when angels appear to people. And let's forget for a moment naked naked baby angels and the calming mother figure angel. When angels appear to people in Scripture without toning themselves down, undisguised as it were, appearing in their celestial glory, the response is always the same. Daniel fainted, overcome. John was compelled to worship. The shepherds were sore afraid, terrified. And the first thing the angels always had to say when they appeared to somebody was, don't be afraid, fear not. Because people can't handle Beings of such heavenly glory. And yet these beings themselves worship and adore this manger child. In both Isaiah and in Revelation, they can't stop themselves from constantly talking about his holiness and his glory. And who else, I think, but God could merit such adoration of the angels? And it's Christ who is so adored in heaven. And if we have any doubt about who this Christ is, then the next line clears it up. Christ, the everlasting Lord. Now what a statement that is. That Jesus, born of Mary, is Elohim, is the eternal owner, is the eternal king of all that is. That there is not, has never been, can never be any being, any reality greater than this Christ. Yeah, this is what the Bible clearly says. John 1, which we've just heard read. That the word who became flesh, that is Jesus, was in the beginning with God and was God, somehow a distinction of persons, and yet a fundamental oneness, a mystery, no doubt. And that nothing was created without him. Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, same thing. Or Philippians 2, that Jesus was in very nature God, and that someday every knee will bow before him and call him by that name which is above every name's. The Old Testament personal name of God, Yahweh, or the Lord. And so though he is veiled, um, hidden as it were, in flesh, it is the Godhead who lies there in Bethlehem. It is deity himself who became incarnate. That is, who has taken a body upon himself. We have no idea what this means. There's no way for us to even begin to grasp that kind of reality. God who spoke and the universe came into being. 
God who thought up and created galaxies of unfathomable immensity. God who on a much smaller scale pulled planets together around our sun. Even smaller oceans and mountains down to the scale of flowers and atoms and lower yet. God who holds all of this together by his conscious will. God who created you and me and gave us life and gives us life still breath by breath. Imagine such a being. We can't. And yet here he lies in the manger. Jesus is God fully. But he is also fully human. He didn't just descend in human looking form. He is the offspring of the virgin's womb. It is real flesh in which we see the Godhead. He is truly incarnate. He was pleased with man to dwell as a man. He became one of us. And I wonder sometimes if we have so honored Jesus for his divine lordship, and rightly so, that we've forgotten that he was fully human. Do you have a hard time believing in Jesus' humanity? Do you consider him more superhuman? Temptations just rolled off his back. They weren't really a struggle. He didn't really face the things that we face every day. His supernatural power, his divine insight, remove him from our level. We can say Jesus was a man, but in our subconscious we qualify that. He was a man, but not really like us. Hebrews chapter 2 and chapter 4 are so clear that Jesus experienced temptation and suffering and even death. And it all begins not in Bethlehem, but nine months before in Nazareth when Mary conceived. In Jesus, God was a fetus and developed fingers and eyes and a little heart. And he was born as babies have always been born in blood and water and in pain. He grew up in a home. He knew what it was to have friends and to be hurt by them. He did chores. He belly laughed and told jokes. He sweat and he burped and he yawned. And the Gospels tell us that he cried on occasion. That he got frustrated with his friends. That he got downright angry with self-righteous people. That he got tired. That he got hungry. That he felt compassion. And historically, the fringes of Christianity have always struggled to believe in the full deity and the full humanity of Jesus. Some have said that he only appeared human, but not, didn't really have a body. On the other hand, many have said that he was a great spiritual figure, but only a man. Jehovah's Witnesses, that he was an angel. Mormons, that he was a man who became God. And yet, biblical Christianity has worshipped a Jesus who is absolute in his deity and in his humanity. Now, what does this mean? It means that the one who died on the cross was divine. And therefore, that his life of infinite worth and his infinite goodness was sufficient to atone for our infinite crime. That is, our sin against God. It means that the one who died on the cross was a man, and therefore, by his death, a human 
represents humanity before God. But there's more. What did the birth and death and life and resurrection of this God-man mean for us? It means forgiveness. God and sinners reconciled. The old King James Bible phrase that has become such a familiar part of Christmas, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Our, Our world has interpreted that to mean Goodwill from one person to another. That Christmas is a season for setting aside differences and being kind and generous to one another. But it actually means favor from God toward people. That in the coming of Jesus, God is expressing his goodwill to people. To people who otherwise deserve nothing but God's hostility. His anger for our rebellions against his lordship. Colossians chapter 1 says, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Ephesians 2. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You're by nature children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness, read goodwill toward us in Christ Jesus. At Christmas, we are celebrating nothing less than the action of God to reconcile sinners to himself, forgiven by the giving of heaven adored Jesus to die for us. That's an astonishing expression of God's goodwill. God's reconciling of us to himself means other things too. It means light and a life. The carol takes the prophetic words of Malachi. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. The carol. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. We read this morning in John 1, speaking about the word who was God and who became flesh. That in him was life, and that life was the light of men. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree that God had commanded them not to eat, and thus when they elevated their own will, Above his, they surely died. Because there is no real life apart from God. No fullness, no joy. And humanity has spent all its energies pursuing life. If I'm rich, I'll really be living. If I have a family, I'll be alive finally. If I have a good job, if I'm popular, if I achieve, if I feel good, when I'm retired, 
Gardening is my passion. Looking good is my passion. Serving the community is my passion. We chase so much and wonder why we feel like life has got to be more than this. And yet life is found only in God, in Christ the everlasting Lord. Jesus came at Christmas that we might be reconciled to God because that is where life is. And only there. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life to the full. It's a, it's a second birth into real, new life. To be apart from God is, to use another biblical metaphor, it's to be in darkness. In the darkness of our own hearts, darkened by fear and guilt and shame and lust and anger and despair and loneliness, into our hearts Christ shines into a world darkened by war and hunger and suffering and brokenness, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Galatians chapter 1 says that in Christ, God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. This manger child brings light and life. But it gets even better. For this reconciliation, this forgiveness, this giving of abundant life, this coming of light into our darkness, this is all part of what God is really doing. Reforming us to be like Jesus. Romans 8, that God has called us and saved us that we might be conformed to the likeness of his Son. And I tell you, there is no greater privilege, no higher calling, no greater need than to have the likeness of this universally sinful humanity effaced, obliterated, permanently removed, and the image of Jesus stamped in its place. And I long for the completion of that reality. When all traces of sin and laziness and self-absorption and criticism and fear and envy and selfishness and greed, when these are gone in me and in its place the fullness of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I so often wish that I was more like Jesus. Well, that process has begun. And I know that I'm not No longer who I was. But there's a lot more to... Jesus is going to complete that in me. And the reality of Jesus coming to earth and who he is and what he did means that we, according to Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, that we reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And this Christmas baby, 33 years later, would die on the cross bearing the judgment of God in our place and for our sin. And again, in Paul's words, he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the Lord of heaven, became man so that we might share his likeness. Is it any wonder that the angels themselves virtually shouted to humanity. And every year as we are invited again to listen, to hearken to their voice, news of great joy. A Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, God's peace and goodwill to man. 
to you. Hear the words of this carol, paraphrased, so you might want to read. Listen. The announcing angels are singing, Glory to the newborn king, God's peace and favor to humanity. For this baby marks the restoring of relationship between God and sinners. All nations of the earth sing out and with joy add your voices to those of the angels, celebrating Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ whom angels adore, Christ the eternal king, has been born into history, born of a virgin. See God himself, undisguised, as it were, as a human. For it was his choice to not just live with us, but to live as one of us. Jesus really is God with us. Verse 3, salute the Prince of Peace. The Son of Righteousness has dawned. In him is light in a dark world. In him is life eternal and full. In him is healing to a sin-sick world and a sin-sick hearts. His overwhelming glory he sets aside to become this little infant. And he does it so that death will not be the final word, but that we might be lifted again and given life. Verse 4 is our prayer. So, Jesus, one whom the world so needs, come. Just as you came to earth at Bethlehem, come and live in us. Fulfill God's promise to destroy Satan's power in us. Erase our sinful human nature and make us look like you instead. Where Adam led us into sin and alienation from God, you, Jesus, lead us back to wholeness in the love of God. Amen. We need to sing that. So let's stand and listen to the angels again as they declare the worth of Jesus the Christ. number 181. Christ by highest heaven. 
loud and with joy. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness In the two weeks left in this Christmas season, may you see in the Christ child the Godhead made incarnate and give him glory. And may your life in these next two weeks be a song that joins the angels in their proclamation of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Go in peace. The Lord is with you. Amen.